0: Hi everyone, you are listening to the Almost Sideways Podcast, Episode 1. On this podcast, we will be reviewing the new Christopher Nolan movie, Dunkirk. We'll also be looking at the best we've seen over the last month, as well as looking to our most anticipated movies of the next month. We'll also be doing a power rankings of Matthew McConaughey performances, as well as looking at some Oscars trivia. Do you know what won Best Picture in 1945? We will see if our Oscar expert does on this episode of the Almost Sideways podcast. Here we go. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Yeah, that must be it. We are
1: go for launch.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Almost Sideways podcast. Uh, I'm Terry Plucknett and on the other side is my little brother
1: i'm todd plucknet
0: all right and we are here to talk about all things movies we're gonna be looking at some things that uh just came out uh some of the best stuff we've seen recently as well as taking some trips down memory lane uh i'm excited about this it's our uh first uh first try at a podcast here we've been having some technical difficulties but i think it's uh it's going to come together nicely. What do you think, Todd?
1: Well, let's hope so.
0: Let's hope so. All right, so let's get right into this. Uh, our first topic today is going to be Dunkirk, the new Christopher Nolan World War Two epic. Um, we've both seen this movie. We have similar opinions, but we're going to have a little bit of a discussion on it. Todd, why don't you tell us what you thought?
1: Uh, so, Dunkirk... Uh, overall i i did like the movie it was a really highly anticipated movie the trailers were just outstanding they were they looked really intense it was really sort of mysterious what was actually going on and it and uh as you watch the movie it like it looks really good it's like it's a breathtaking movie visually and like to sit through it is really intense and uh, some quibbles i have is um uh, I am not a fan of how Nolan structured the movie with his sort of gimmicky non-linear storyline thing. For me, I I would have preferred a more straightforward war movie. And uh, I I thought that sort of took away from like the character development, and I uh, I thought that the the performances were sort of uh, taken down as a result of that. I thought a lot of the they were almost like pedestrian performances by a lot of the actors with the exception of barana but he's you know classically trained and so he's always going to give some sort of a great performance and yeah i mean but uh sitting through the movie it's a it's a really great experience and uh so i i do overall give it a positive grade of like a mid-level three stars out of four
0: mid-level three stars By the way, we do uh, rate our movies out of four stars because that's the way Roger Ebert did it and that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, I agree a little bit with you on some of of it, but I I thought much higher of the film than you did. Um, I agree. Visually, it's absolutely breathtaking. Um, The way he shot it was amazing, as are all his movies. Um, I thought... There wasn't much character development, but I didn't feel like there needed to be much character development with the way he told his story. Um, It's a story about that time and the way he shoots it is uh, he really puts you into that uh, on that beach with those characters. So you don't really need to um, need to know too much about the characters. There's not any of those reflective moments like in Saving Private Ryan where, uh Ryan tells Tom Hanks about growing up with his brothers. There's no time for that. It's too intense. It's too Mm jam-packed to have any of those reflective moments to develop the characters. All you need to know is there are these people on this beach and they need Mm -hmm. to get home. Um I think it's uh it was um I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was the score. Hans Zimmer's score in this I thought was absolutely amazing. In how he was able to uh, build that intensity through this just little ticking that was going on throughout the entire film, um, I thought it was it was something that was always constantly present and always uh, always making you um, stressed right along with those characters. Um, I'm right on the three and a half to four star range on Dunkirk. Um, i i loved seeing it i thought it was an amazing movie but at the same time i feel like it's one that's not going to stand the test of time like some of his other instant classics that he's had so um it, it seemed for whatever reason it seemed a little forgettable at times but you can't argue with the fact that it was such an amazing uh film at the same time
1: yeah i i agree it's not it doesn't have the uh the rewatchability of a lot of his other movies like i would say i mean obviously the dark knight and memento and stuff like that but it do, i mean it does have the the nolan ticks and stuff it, it it's definitely a nolan movie and it feels like it it, it looks like it and it sounds like it with the Hans Zimmer score as you said but it's really just like a swelling score in the background like most of it is so it's just really loud i'm not i wasn't as crazy about that as you were but yeah i i do like that the movie is more condensed in a it's not as long even though it could it could have been longer if you wanted to expand it a little more with all the storylines coming together but it's uh yeah i don't know i i feel like this movie this year especially is going to be pretty popular i I might even get a best picture nomination and but it's uh i wouldn't I, i wouldn't put it near the the heights of what he can do
0: i would agree it's not it's not it's not inception it's not dark Knight. like you said it could have been a little longer i think if it was a little longer it would have had that character development that you're talking about and the fact that it was shorter showed that that wasn't what he was um what he was going for um another thing that i noticed that i wouldn't have recognized unless i had heard it from somebody else before i saw it was that um throughout the entire film they never say uh german and they never say nazi it's not it, every a uh, couple times they reference the enemy but it's really more of a survival story than it is a uh is a, a world war Two story it just happens to be the uh the conduit they use to tell this tale of survival on um, on this beach
1: yeah but i mean for for me great survival stories are following one character and getting to know that character as he goes through the, his journey and we're following like three or four major storylines at the same time it sort of takes away i would rather just see watch tommy go through his his journey than have have to watch the mark rylance part or like the or tom hardy in the in the in the, in the, in the you know the the jet it's just i don't know it it, like it, it, it would have been a great survival story if it would have just been more focused. Instead, it, it just was the Nolan uh, non-linear, disjointed screenplay gimmicks that sort of took away from the overall experience for me. And yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot of a whole lot of dialogue, but that, that, that sort of makes it puts it in that like the Revenant sort of category of you know it really it really is just about more the experience of watching the movie than actually getting something. Uh, intellectually stimulating out of it you know
0: yeah yeah um one of the things that i thought was really interesting about it that uh, i've been thinking about since i watched it is how you know how um christopher nolan does so many great things visually with his films and um later on or in one of the stars of this film for the first time christopher nolan's working with kenneth Brana. And later on this year, you have another film that looks like it's going to be um, potentially equally as visually stimulating, um, directed by Kenneth Branagh in the Murder on the Orient Express remake. And uh, I thought that's kind of interesting how you've got Christopher Nolan uh, potentially influencing Kenneth Branagh in the way he's shooting his next film.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that.
0: Kind of a cool idea, right? <laughs>
1: i suppose but they're coming out at the same time it could i don't know if it could have been if it would have worked like that but it's a good thought
0: um all right so uh you give dunkirk three stars i'm giving it oh i'll i'll give it a low four star for right now it might drop down to a three star or three and a half star um later on uh so that is our uh our review of dunkirk all right we're gonna move on and talk about um some something else that we've uh we've watched over the last month or so it doesn't have to be a necessarily a brand new movie but the best we've seen um from the last month
1: i've not had a great month of watching movies but the best thing that i saw was uh an hbo movie barely qualifies as a movie tour to pharmacy it was it's a ah. uh, really really funny like spoof of cycling, it's done by the, like, uh, by the Lonely Island guys, the same, the same crew that did the Seven Days in Hell a couple of years ago about tennis. This, uh, I I don't know. I I just I just thought every part of this movie is so funny and it actually has Lance Armstrong, in like the perfect role. Like I, I didn't even know he was in it, but when I but when I saw him and saw what role he was playing about you know all these um uh, the cyclists who are all doping and now he's it, i don't it was everything about this movie i just loved so much and I, I i watched that probably a few weeks ago and uh that was that was the best thing i've, I've seen recently i, get, I that was a, a three and a half star movie for me and i mean it's only like 42 minutes long but it's it's awesome
0: i still need yeah. to sit down and watch that one uh i I really want to i just haven't i just haven't had uh taken the time to to sit down and uh and view tour to pharmacy yet but that's one that's definitely on my list of watching very soon um for me the best thing I've seen well I'd say this is the most surprising thing I've seen um one of the things that uh I get an opportunity to do when there's a little one in the house is watch a lot of uh animated stuff and things like that and just uh, this Friday, I believe, is when it happened. Um, uh, or maybe it was a couple days ago. Anyways, this in the last week, um, on Netflix, they released the 2016 animated movie Sing, which I threw oh. on because it was animated, it was, uh, music, and the little squirt was going to be fully engaged by it, but it was such a good movie. It was so surprising. It was one that when I saw the trailer for it, when it first came out, I said, really, they're making a movie. Really? That was, it looked terrible. Um, but in watching it, it is such a, such a good movie. It's got so much heart to it. You've got, um, these, uh, some amazing vocal talent. You've got Matthew McConaughey, uh, as the, as the main character, this little koala bear running a, running a theater, trying to, um, trying to fulfill his dream. Um, you've got Reese Witherspoon. You've got, um, you've got, oh, let's see here. Who else? Seth MacFarlane uh, is a little mouse, um, nice. and actually doesn't sound like Brian, which is, but close uh scarlett johansson john c riley taron egerton from the kingsman comes in apparently he's got an amazing voice you got tori kelly jennifer hudson uh then you've got guys like nick kroll some snl guys like beck bennett jay Farrell, leslie jones nick offerman is in it you've got all these guys and you don't expect it and then it happens and it's so much fun to sit down and watch it's what some of the most entertaining 90 minutes you'll get um, uh, if you take a seat actually hour 48 it's a very fast movie Um, but uh, three and a half stars I got to it was it was so entertaining from start to finish um, of just watching these animals like do animal American Idol it was great
1: yeah I remember when that movie was uh, was coming out I, I, I saw the preview and I was like that doesn't look all that good, but I thought it was going to be like a Golden Globes movie because they, they, def, they love their musicals too and stuff. I think it got a song nomination there, but yeah. It's funny. I, I didn't know McConaughey was in it. That So he had two quality animated movies last year. That's that's pretty cool. Kubo, obviously, being the other one, which was not my top ten.
0: Oh, yeah. I still need to watch Kubo. Kubo's on Netflix as well. I should probably catch that pretty soon. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, here. It got two Golden Globe nominations, one for... Uh... For animated motion picture And one for uh, one of the songs So right. uh, Yeah definitely worth a watch If you haven't seen Sing uh, It's on Netflix now um, Definitely worth worth checking out Alright So we've looked back at the last month Now we're going to look ahead At the month that is to come Looking at the month of August um, What the most anticipated Film coming out In the next month is um and my most anticipated film is actually something that has come out already but it came out this month so i'm going to talk about it and i haven't seen it yet and that film is detroit um it's a uh, the latest film from katherine bigelow uh who uh garnered a lot of uh, notoriety recently with uh, films like the hurt locker and um and zero dark 30 uh she makes this movie about uh Uh, riot in uh, Detroit in the 60s during uh, all the civil rights movement Uh, it it looks dark it looks gritty it uh, is a movie with a message all things that uh, Catherine Bigelow has shown recently that she is a master at telling Um, starring uh, Anthony Mackie, John Boyega actually doing something other than Star Wars in between his films which is something rare for Star Wars people to do um, but I I'm really interested to see how this film turns out and if it if it's as good as it looks, um, it could be something that's up for the awards at the end of the year that we're talking about, um when come uh, January, February.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. That that movie is one of my top anticipated. I have not watched it yet, but I plan on doing it really soon. I Zero Dark Thirty and the Hurt Locker were both incredible and the Mark Bowl Catherine Bigelow combo is you can't touch it right now so yeah, my my movie i'm the most looking forward to was a movie that was a big hit at Cannes. it's called good time and uh it stars robert pattinson jennifer jason lee and buckhard Abdi. it's by the the Safdie brothers who did a couple of indie movies heaven knows what which is an elizabeth moss movie i really liked a couple years ago and daddy longlegs it's about a bank robber who's trying to save his little brother and like being chased by people throughout the city and it looks really dark and really realistic and the uh, these guys movies are really sort of uh really ground in reality and sort of depressing but this one actually looks like it has somewhat of a budget so it's not going to look as grainy as their other ones but it was a huge hit apparently had a big standing ovation at Cannes. it won it won an award and uh yeah, it, it looks awesome. I think it comes out on August 11th. I'm not sure how wide of a release it's going to get, hopefully something big. Because I'm really intrigued by Robert Pattinson recently, especially because he showed that he actually is a really great dramatic actor. I, I He made my top five for The Rover, and uh, m- most of what he comes out now is he's actually shown to be a really good independent talent and a really good indie lead actor.
0: Do you think he will ever uh, break that stereotype of being the Twilight guy?
1: I mean, it's going to take him, like, getting a nomination, right? I mean, sort of the same thing with Kristen Stewart. She won the France's equivalent to the Oscar for Best Actress for a movie a few years ago, but she still has yet to break through in America because people just keep seeing her like that. But they both have such great talent. I think that eventually they will, but it's going to take some time because that's so ingrained into their head because they did five movies you know
0: yeah i mean it's it's one of those i mean is he is he gonna be harrison ford or is he gonna be mark hamill i mean that that's really the two extremes he's already way past
1: mark hamill he's like prophet (laughs) catinson's had like four or five really good performances hamill really hasn't. hasn't he hasn't done a whole lot of anything i mean he was he was an animated voice actor now pretty much right
0: and a pretty good one from what i from what i've heard
1: yeah but um I'm... is
0: is this the first noteworthy thing Barkhat abdi has done since uh being nominated for an oscar
1: uh the only thing i think i saw him in since was uh eye in the sky Remember the uh movie about the drone pilots with helen Mirren and alan rickman did you see that movie huh
0: i did not see that one no
1: and aaron paul was in it too oh that was a good movie he was in that and that was the only thing i've seen him in so i i guess i would just say this is probably maybe the most noteworthy or second most but this is an independent movie so
0: yeah so i've got detroit for this next month be looking for that uh todd has good time uh, moving on, we're gonna look back at uh, some films that are celebrating uh, monumental anniversaries uh, this next month in the month of August, and uh, and talk about talk about those a little bit. Uh, Todd, why don't you start with uh, with one of your anniversaries that uh, that you are uh, you're seeing come up in the next month?
1: So uh, coming up uh, ten years ago. I came across a little movie uh, at the independent theater near me, and it was called Rocket Science. It's directed by Jeffrey Blitz, who the only thing he had done before that was the documentary Spellbound, which was about the spelling bee. This is a movie, uh, it was a it was a indie comedy about a high school debate team, and uh, the most noteworthy thing about it was uh, Anna Kendrick. Was, had her pretty much her breakout role in this she was nominated for a spirit award and like i i love everything about the spirit awards I, wa- I usually watch everything like it's nominated for every category and so i watched this and i was like really surprised and like i was like that girl talks really fast she's really interesting i kept thinking that when i was watching the movie and then <laughs> like over the next few years like or two years later she got an oscar nomination for up in the air but like this is a good movie to go back and watch to see like where someone gets started because she was really young and she really just jumped off the screen in like the few scenes that she had so, yeah it was a, it was a good movie i gave i gave that three stars that back, back then it was a high three stars and i was, yeah i really enjoyed that movie
0: yeah and a movie that probably not too many people uh know about or have seen so that's a that's an interesting one and uh see where Anna Kendrick came from and see where she's at now. That's a, that that's talk about twilight. She's one that was in twilight, but it definitely did not define her as she was nominated for an Oscar during the whole twilight run. Uh, exactly. the first one I'm going to, yeah, the first one I'm going to look at is, a, uh, um, 15 year anniversary of the film signs, uh, M night Shyamalan movie back when that still meant something. Um, this movie about a, a, mm. a former priest uh, living uh, with his family and aliens attack earth uh, and start making uh, corn, corn circles and things. And uh, it's a movie that um, really is everything M. Night Shyamalan mm. can be when he's on top of his game and, um, you have Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix. You've got little Abigail Breslin in one of her first roles. Um, the water's contaminated. The water's contaminated. Um, it, it's just one of those movies that the the intensity of it is so um, is so great throughout. It's one that I, as I was watching it, I thought it was it was going along great until you see the aliens. I always think that that kind of ruins it when it's this unknown thing that you can't see. It's always, uh, it, it's always so much better. But as soon as it shows them um, a little bit's lost, this is still a, a great movie um, watching, uh, you know, watching the family. I'll sit there with the foil caps on, including Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a film that I, uh, I look back on and say, this is, you know, if you're gonna to put together a top five of M. Night Shyamalan, um, it's got a, it's gonna be right up there with, uh, with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and I'm glad that he's finally getting back to, uh, to making some good movies when with a Split coming out this year.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Shyamalan fan. I, I didn't really like Signs at all. But uh, his only movie I actually gave a positive review to was Unbreakable. But there are parts of Signs that I do appreciate, and I, I'm, I'm with you about the about when you finally do see the aliens it's just i don't know i'm not i don't know i'm not crazy about the movie i, I only watched it once way way back when but i don't know i didn't really you, like it
0: i think i'm more of a fan of m night shyamalan than most i think i'm one of the few people in the world that actually really enjoyed lady in the water so that kind of shows that i'm a i'm i'm more of a shyamalan fan than than others
1: well at least that one at Giamatti, right?
0: that's true it did Uh, i was also a big fan of um his uh television show that that was out a couple years ago wayward pines the first first season was amazing then it kind of went off the rails after that with the second season but the first season of wayward pines was uh outstanding with matt Dillon and toby jones and uh and melissa leo definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it
1: i kind of think that uh, one of the things I actually enjoyed more about Shyamalan was uh, the happening, because I feel like it was entertaining enough because everything about it other than the story was so bland that, like, the, the acting was horrible, a lot of the visuals were horrible, but, like, the actual story was interesting, and so it was just, like, you were able to focus on one thing, and, uh, like, because i don't know Shyamalan kind of is like crazy in his head but the, that movie actually sort of clicked for me
0: yeah i i still need to see the happening that's one i haven't caught yet but you get this idea that Shyamalan really wants to be alfred hitchcock even to the point of having those little uh those little cameos in every one of his movies um, except the lady ter- in lady in water
1: he was like a significant character
0: yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a terrible actor, and, and that's one thing. Lady in the Water, yeah, he's, got, he's a ma- major character in that. But, still, I, I, he, he really wants to be Hitchcock. And every now and then he, uh, he shows signs, ha, signs of, nice. uh, of getting there. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. See, I brought it full circle. We started in one spot, we went way off, and I brought it back that's how that's how we do it here on the almost sideways podcast just when you
1: think you're out they pull you back in
0: exactly all right what's your second uh second um movie year that's celebrating an anniversary all right
1: 35 years ago this month uh fast times at ridgemont high was released and that is obviously a lot more iconic than uh, rocket science uh there there's just so much about that movie that is so funny and so rewatchable if it's on tv it's it's hard not to just sit through and watch it sean penn just insane in his role There there's so many iconic moments where he orders a pizza in class or you know obviously phoebe cates getting out of the pool and judge reinholds watching her and uh jennifer jason lee is just great in that movie it's it's one of those movies where like i always thought that every generation had their high school hangout movie there was like uh rebel without a cause and there was american graffiti this was the one in the 80s and then obviously there was like uh the current one would be like super bad but like th- this was the one that sort of defined the 80s party high school scene which there were a bunch of movies like it but none of them really surpassed this one The uh, written by cameron crow is w- one of the coolest things he ever did and yeah it's just i love this movie so much
0: it's funny that you mentioned super bad because super has a 10 year anniversary this month too um Both. what would you say is is this decades have, have we had one yet because you said super bad but super bad is 10 years old uh has there been a, a high school hangout movie of this decade
1: well the one that I would consider, but it's, it was a really independent movie, was The Myth of the American Sleepover. I remember watching that and thinking that it had a lot of the same characteristics as those other movies, but, like, hardly anybody saw it, because there are no notable actors in it. It was really just small, independent movie. But it was about, it was the same type of thing, about a group of kids in one area who were, you know, uh, out after school kind of thing, and it it was really just, like, a hangout movie the short answer to your que- to the question is no yeah that, that uh, is correct
0: <laughs> okay so my okay, what, uh, my yours? second uh, second anniversary for this uh for this month is this month marks the 20th anniversary of the full monty um this was a film that i didn't watch until just only a few years ago um i remember uh always looking back at the 1997 oscars race and looking at best picture and you see you see titanic and as good as it gets with jack nicholson you got goodwill hunting with matt damon ben affleck and and robin williams you've got la confidential which is one of my favorite movies of all time and then there was a full monty it's like well where did this come from other than being the token british movie that always has to get nominated every year at the oscars so finally a few years ago i watched it and it is such a fun movie um such a strange one to be nominated for an oscar and i don't think it would i think it would have a tough time getting nominated now um but you've got uh, you've got this great cast of guys robert carlisle mark addy um tom wilkinson uh that are just these average guys who decide to become exotic dancers to earn some money when they lose their job. It's, it's such a strange premise for a movie, but it's so much fun and it has so much heart. Um, especially Robert Carlyle, uh, his, his role is amazing. Uh, it's, it's just a fun movie and you know what it's building towards at the end and it's so much fun to see it come together and i think that's why it was nominated because it it was just this fun movie from start to finish
1: yeah i'm with you i've only seen that movie one time but uh, i did really enjoy it back when i watched it. it and yeah it really is the the british movie it's uh i mean it's a lot of british humor i i I think mark addy is definitely the mvp of that cast he's he's really good in that movie and i i've always enjoyed watching him in like the random small roles that he has because he's he hardly ever gets like any notoriety but he's my favorite part of that movie
0: yeah he he's he's always great in everything he does the the thing i always think of when i think of mark addy is a knight's tale um him him with uh with uh paul bettany and uh and uh i think it's alan tudyk is the other one um that are the buddies of uh of heath ledger
1: i i always think of down to earth he plays uh chris rock's uh butler who's actually like a who's actually from michigan but he has a british accent because he thinks it makes the rich people feel more comfortable <laughs> I, I really like uh... that character. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one there. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Okay, so we talked about our um, our anniversaries for this month. One one last time, we got the ten year anniversary of um, Rocket Science, and we've got the fifteen year anniversary of Signs, the twentieth anniversary of Fulmonti, and the thirty fifth anniversary of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Moving forward. One of the bigger movies that just came out um, that is currently trying to flop at the box office is The Dark Tower. It's getting terrible reviews. Um, but one of the things it did do was it brought um, brought back a man that we've already talked about once uh, today, and that's Matthew McConaughey, um, who's playing, like, the devil or something? Something. Something. I don't know. Um, but it brought us to thinking about a power ranking for our podcast. And we decided to go with uh, Matthew McConaughey films. Well, are we going with films or are we going with roles? I think we're going with roles, aren't we?
1: Roles. Roles. Or performances. So
0: performances, top five Matthew McConaughey performances. Um, And Todd, you were talking about how uh, Matthew McConaughey has really kind of had stages to his career
1: yeah so mcconaughey he started out with like a very iconic like five minute role and then after that he got <clears throat> sort of typecast into playing like courtroom dramas and then it was he had his stage of romantic comedies and then he sort of had this like bizarre resurgence where like he had like six movies come out in two years that were all just like really serious movies that really showed they he could be an actor and so and now he's sort of still in that range it's uh i'm always intrigued when he when he has a movie come out even gold last year lo- like looked intriguing even though it was, it was like just because he was in it, it i mean it was a lousy movie but it's like he's he's had these like these like segments where it's like he goes through different ca- types of movies and now it's like he's actually making good movies which i always thought he could but he never did for like 10 years.
0: Yeah he always has these moments. Uh, throughout his career that show that he can be a great actor. But then he will go and make one of those rom-coms. But like you said. Now um, he's kind of in this role. Of uh, of showing what kind of actor he can be. And, uh, and it's been really fun to watch. And we'll see how much longer it lasts. He's kind of had this run going. But he's also kind of had some flops along the way. And it looks like Dark Tower is going to be another one. But we're looking back and seeing what his top five. Uh, top 5 roles have been uh, So we're going to go back and forth go, go from 5 to 1 I think once we're done we'll go back And look at some honorable mentions um, But Todd why don't you start With uh, your number 5 Matthew McConaughey role
1: My number 5 Is uh, The Wolf of Wall Street It's a It's not a big role he's probably only in what The first 20 minutes of the movie but He, may, he leaves an impact in that movie that Is felt throughout the rest of the movie And well, whether it's him uh, you know pounding his chest and doing his humming or or whatever it is that he's doing like everything about that character just is so fully fleshed out that it actually feels like a major character even though it's not and he's he's I could not imagine another character or another actor playing that character and having it be that effective and it, it was uh it was probably his third most most recognizable role of that year but he but it was just everything about that character was perfect
0: yeah it really became the uh the alec baldwin glengarry glenn ross role of just kind of setting the stage for the entire movie and being one of the most memorable things in the movie even though only being in the first 10 minutes of it
1: yeah and Um, i think if you go back you probably if we were voting on the oscars then (laughs) that like or voting on oscars now that happened then like i i can't think that many people would overlook that supporting character, you know, the same way they would look at Alec Baldwin. You know, it's like it's one of the most memorable characters of the year.
0: Yeah. That is true. For me, my number 5 uh is one that I love. I'm again, I'm one of the few probably that does. But uh my number 5 role for Matthew McConaughey is Ed from Ed TV. Um it is a I love that movie directed by Ron Howard. Um co-starring with Woody Harrelson as his brother, this just average Joe guy who uh, gets chosen to be um, the topic of a reality TV show. It's one of the it's one that was kind of ahead of its time, but also was kind of overshadowed by the Truman Show, which came out around the same time uh but it's an it's a great movie um and he's he it's one of those early times where that he shows he can be that um be a great actor in any role
1: yeah i agree i actually do like that movie to an extent The yeah i mean like you said it kind of gets trumped by the truman show but it, it does have a lot of good things to say and he and he does really f- slide into that role pretty well i i, I like that choice
0: well, and I th- I think the Truman Show like goes so overboard in the uh, in the reality TV um, you know forward thinking. I don't even think we've reached the point where the Truman Show is a relevant thing yet. But Ed TV is something where you look back on it and the life that was lived by Ed and Ed TV. Just five years later, we were seeing it as reality TV started up, and these people were becoming famous simply for the fact that they were famous. Uh, I thought it was a really, uh, really interesting commentary, and it rang true on a lot of how that ended up playing out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: All so right. Moving on to my number four, it.
1: I have one of those representing his uh, courtroom drama. Uh, stage of his career i have the lincoln lawyer and that's a movie that i saw that i was really that i didn't know a whole lot about other than that mcconaughey was in it and that was right around when he did a whole lot of really really bad movies and that was the his his first serious movie that he had done in like several years unless you count like his at the random action movies he did in the like late 2000s or mid mid to late 2000s and uh he's really good in that it it's he it's not quite as emotional of a character as he had in like a Time to Kill or Amistad, but it's he uh it he's really good at playing a tough guy who also has a vulnerable side, and that this that's really showcased in this movie. It's a, uh, yeah, it's it's a good movie, underrated movie. Not a whole lot of people saw it, but, it, it it did, it didn't didn't do that great at the box office, but it it is a it is a really good movie. I I recommend people watch it because ryan phillip he's also really good yeah
0: at yeah lincoln lawyer is one of the ones that i missed i haven't i haven't seen that one yet but but you're right everyone kind of points to that one as the uh as the turning point in his in his career in a lot of ways um my number four is actually one of the films you just mentioned in his uh courtroom drama uh vein and that is a time to kill um it, it's a it's a movie uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, one of the few that he didn't ruin in his direction, um, because it was something that he didn't have to do very much. Um, and uh, like you said, Matthew McConaughey has such an emotional role as he he kind of plays a modern-day Atticus Finch, where he's fighting against the status quo. He's fighting against um, what is happening in the in the world around him as he tries really an unwinnable case um samuel jackson is amazing in it you've you've got kevin spacey donald sutherland Kiefer sutherland in a really small role mickey um, cat yeah that's right <laughs> I, I love mickey cat
1: <laughs> days of confused um
0: yes yes but i always look at a time to kill as as really the first time you look at matthew mcconaughey and say this guy there's something there. And um and I think because he was kind of an unknown at that point, he he didn't get the recognition he deserved um for that role. But I thought that was an absolutely amazing role.
1: Yeah, I agree. That was uh that like I chose Lincoln Lawyer, but I mean it was really just a reflection of like those of of all of his uh courtroom drama movies. That one is every bit as good of a performance. He's I, he's he is uh, he's pretty incredible in that movie. And that I would have never thought that at that time that he would have gone from what he was at to that like in such a short amount of time. But you, yeah, great performance. My number three is the movie that uh, won him his Academy Award, and that's Dallas Buyers Club. And it's a role that is probably one of the more difficult roles to play that uh in the probably the last five to ten years and he absolutely like nails it in every way and even to the point that his co-star who also won an oscar has much more showy type of role but like every bit about juan woodruff from our perspective because we sort of get it from his perspective and it's i don't know it's a it's 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 a borderline perfect performance and, and it's it's hard to i mean it's it's hard thinking that i put it third but he actually has a couple that i actually do consider more more better or iconic but yeah he everything about that performance is great
0: i'm gonna uh hold off comment on that because i'll be talking about it soon um okay. my number three my number three is uh one of those iconic roles uh, and it's the one that got him started, and that is the role of Wooderson in Dazed and Confused. Um, the story behind how he came to be in Dazed and Confused is almost as great as his role. Uh, he was found in some bar by Richard Linkletter and he showed up and he was he was supposed to have like one line and was so great in what he was doing that he ended up having more and more and uh and it became the most memorable part of the movie um and gave him his uh his catchphrase that has held on for uh the last uh, almost 25 years and uh but uh it's it's just a great great <laughs> great role um and it's one that i mean a career like his doesn't skyrocket the way it did unless he has a Wooderson and because he did he is
1: who he is. There is a new Fiesta in the making as we speak. Like yeah, that's <laughs> my number 2 actually, so yeah, it that is the perfect example of a of an actor who so fully fits the character that he's playing is almost like he doesn't have to try and it's still comes off as being just like electric and perfect and uh, there's every single line he says has become sort of an iconic line because he has so few of them and they're so perfectly delivered and uh yeah <laughs> wooderson is one of the uh one of the great characters of the 90s and yeah and for a very first performance that a guy's given that can't, you can't top that
0: one of my favorite moments the last couple years uh on saturday night live was when um was when matthew mcconaughey hosted and the monologue that the host gives is usually you know some song and dance or they try and tell jokes he stood there for 10 minutes and told the story of how he became wooderson and how he created the character and it was just him telling a story and everyone was just completely entranced by it because it was this It was you hearing how McConaughey became McConaughey. It was great. Um, yeah. Love that role. Um, we flip-flopped our two and three because my number two is one Ron Woodruff from Dallas Fires Club. Um, I echo a lot of the stuff that, that you already said. Um, it's a role where you really see him disappear into the role. Um, and it's, uh, which is saying something because it's not one where he has to do a whole lot to become Ron Woodruff. Besides the physical transformation, I mean, it, it's not like someone pulling off playing the Joker or anything like that. He's he just becomes this character and and embodies him in such a subtle way uh, that, uh, like you said, you you see you see Ron Woodruff when you see him on in Dallas Buyers Club, um, just outstanding and he deserved his oscar for it
1: yes obviously i agree and i think we both have the same number one there was really probably no uh, hesitation true detective yes (laughs) rusting cole it's a there yeah that that's uh, definitely the most difficult role that he's ever played and it is something that that was it it really made that tv show what it was and and sort of got got it greenlit through another a dragging second season and it it was him him playing off of woody harrelson and like it's just it's a it's like a it's like a perfect duo to to have a tv show and I i wish we would have seen more seasons of that character but uh it's a complete rise and fall sort of thing i i i love everything about that character and i don't know if he's ever going to be able to top that but it was i would be i would love to see it if you did
0: yeah it's something where uh he yeah he just disappeared and completely into that role um it it's almost like if you take several of his characters and put them together um and just kind of mush them together like if it was like ron woodruff like with wooderson becoming a cop and retiring (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it it because I mean it was, it was, so interesting and you were, half the time you had no idea what he was saying but you were interested in every word he said, um as he sat there and carved little men out of his, beer cans, um. Yeah, he that you're right that relationship between McConaughey and Harrelson made that show what it was and it went off the rails in the second season. Um, I'm curious to think what do you think of of uh, the potential season 3 coming out with uh Mahershala Ali at the at the forefront.
1: Well, I mean, it's obviously intriguing I I don't I don't know anything about the story, but Mahershala has uh has been a dynamite TV actor for years. I, I think I think he fits that sort of tone that they're looking for in that show
0: i'm i'm intrigued by it because um just like mcconaughey has that magnetism mahershala ali kind of has that magnetism of whenever he talks you have to listen to him and i think that was kind of what season two was missing a little bit is just that that main character with that charisma that could carry the story through whatever was going to happen
1: i can see that I don't know, I I, I assume that he's going to be a cop, right? I mean, because that would go back, because he, he, I know he, he's made comments where, like, he's always cast as, like, an FBI agent or a cop or something for the longest part of his career, and then finally, like, Moonlight, he was playing something different, he won an Oscar, so I don't know, do you think that he's, I assume he's playing a cop, because, like, all the main actors, all the most important actors that have been cast in True Detective so far have been cops or something, except for, I guess, Vince Vaughn
0: i was gonna say vince
1: vaughn i mean come on man so i, I, yeah, I don't know i mean but that, that'll be intriguing if, he, if he's not a cop or something but
0: i i think he i think he'll be he'll be a cop and that and it'll uh it'll play off of that and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what direction they take it um i'm glad to, they get a third shot to try and correct the second season i mean it, the second season was okay it was another one of those that was had unrealistic expectations on it but um but yeah it it definitely went a little too far and i'll be interested to see what the third season third season was okay so to recap my top five number five was ed tv number four time to kill number three days and confused number two dallas buyers club number one true detective uh run us through your list again one more time
1: number five was the wolf of wall street number four the lincoln lawyer three, Dallas Buyers Club, two, Dazed and Confused, and one, True Detective.
0: All right, Uh, what were your honorable mentions? I I think you said you had uh, two that came really close.
1: Yeah, I had Mud, which was the other 2013 McConaughey role in the midst of all of that craziness that he did. (laughs) He was awesome in that. And then Magic Mike, which is another another movie that he hardly had to try to play his character. It was just so similar to him, but he just... I mean everything about that character was McConaughey and it yeah another just great role that only he could have played that way
0: Yeah I've got Magic Mike on my uh on my honorable mention too maybe that's what Wooderson would grow grew up to be was magic was the uh, the character for Magic Mike
1: <laughs> I think he would have just kept working for the city you know dating those high school yeah. girls I love those redheads <laughs>
0: My my other uh, my other honorable mention is one of those small roles, but it just makes me smile more because of the movie than than his performance. But Tropic Thunder, um, yeah. his, seeing seeing him and and Tom Cruise go uh, go crazy over the fact that Ben Stiller has been kidnapped by uh, some random uh, Southeast Asian tribe. Uh, And so, and McConaughey's all upset Because he won't get his TiVo I mean Yeah, (laughs) didn't he chuck the TiVo
1: up to the helicopter or something?
0: Yeah, the the TiVo (laughs) ends up saving him in the end It blows up the the missile as it's about to hit the helicopter Right I mean, for that alone (laughs) That, he saved the day
1: (laughs) I I appreciate that I
0: I like that movie all, all thanks to TiVo, you know. <laughs> okay, um, we've got a couple more segments we got for you guys today. Um, our next one is something we like to do on our own. So we're going to put it on our podcast and see how you guys uh, like it. And that is, Todd is quite the, uh, the uh, master when it comes to Oscar trivia and knowing things about the Oscars. So... Uh, we have decided to challenge him in our own little uh, past Oscar challenge here. And we have selected a random year. We It was completely random, plugged it into a random number generator, and this is what came out. And we're going to see if Todd can come up with the, uh, the uh, major award winners from this year, um, see if he can come up with anything else from that year, if he's feeling up to it. And um, then maybe talk about some of the significant things that happened um, during that Oscars. Mm-hmm. So, Todd, are you ready for your challenge?
1: I think so. You think
0: so? I I know the more recent stuff is a lot more uh, a lot more uh, uh, familiar to you, but we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. And your Oscar challenge for this uh, first podcast. Is the 1945 Oscars now before we start um, just a little bit on how we uh, qualify the Oscars Um, the 1945 Oscars when I say 1945 Oscars we're talking about the 1945 films that were honored at the Oscars which took place in 1946 so this it's the 1946 ceremony But it's the 1945 films so i hope that makes sense to everybody so we're looking at the 1945 films that were nominated at the 1946 oscars did i give you enough time to get some thinking in before you start
1: (laughs) okay yeah all right Uh, a lot of the oh yeah a lot of the years in the mid-40s sort of blend together but i i okay So, so let's
0: start with picture what was the what was the uh winner of best picture in nineteen
1: forty five that was the lost weekend
0: you are correct do you know off the top of your head any of the uh the best picture nominees that were nominated alongside the lost weekend?
1: Well, I just watched anchors away and I know I was nominated
0: That's one
1: and I believe that was the year of Mildred Pierce.
0: You are correct.
1: Those are the only ones got, I know. I know for those sure. Those are
0: the only ones you know. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We will uh, we'll come back to that at the end. But we got three best picture best pictures. That's not bad. That's not bad. Let's look at best actor.
1: Well, best actor was won by Ray Miland from The Last Weekend. You are correct do you have Uh, any others I I don't I wouldn't know for sure
0: there are two more from best picture nominees if that helps you at all
1: uh Gene Kelly
0: Gene Kelly anchors away you are correct Okay. (laughs) the other one you didn't say so uh we'll uh we can skip that for now um moving on best actress
1: so that would have been joan crawford
0: that is correct any others
1: not that i not that i know of
0: yeah from what you've said so far i don't think you would have gotten any of these others but you're doing great so far you've gotten all the winners let's move on best supporting actor this is going to be a tough one i think
1: yeah, I don't even know if I have a uh, any idea. Do, okay. You want to give me a hint?
0: Let me see if I can give you a hint here. I give great hints, as Todd knows. Um, there was only one nominee in this category that was from a Best Picture nominee, and it's one of the two that you did not get, which doesn't yeah. help you at all. <laughs> okay, here here is your hint no that's not a hint never mind I was going to say something that was not true um (laughs) he (laughs) I misread it there for a second this film that he was that he won for by the way this is his only nomination um, which really really helps out um what else he uh or this film um this was the only Oscar it won it was directed by Elia Kazan And it starred Dorothy McGuire and Joan Blondell. I don't think that's going to help you at all.
1: Um,
0: This actor, according to uh, IMDB, the top, uh, well, I can only say three of the top four uh, films he's known for. Uh, One is It's a Great Life. Actually, that looks like a, a television show based on it's a wonderful life maybe that's fascinating okay um and (laughs) uh the shirley temple film bright eyes and a 1931 film called bad girl
1: yeah i don't know Uh, this is
0: yeah you're not gonna get this one his name is james dunn and it was for a movie called a tree grows in brooklyn all right best supporting actress that was a disaster but we got one more category to go um we'll see if you can get this one
1: well i know i don't know i know the the daughter was nominated for mildred pierce
0: there were two nominees for mildred pierce actually
1: yeah that's right
0: wow there was someone nominated for best supporting actress in 1945 that is still alive Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It was just the nominee. It wasn't uh it wasn't the winner. Uh let's see here. The winner won one Oscar. Uh was nominated for three. This was the second of three. She shares a last name with a founding father. The film that she was nominated for or that she won for was directed by Clarence Brown and starred Mickey Rooney and Elizabeth Taylor.
1: Uh, I feel like I've seen this movie. I don't know.
0: <laughs> this film ended up winning two Oscars for supporting actress and editing, it was nominated for director, cinematography, and art direction. Uh it is Anne Revere for National Velvet oh okay yeah i haven't seen that but yeah that's the movie about the horse and the one that's still alive that was nominated that year is angela lansbury for the picture of dorian gray wow i know right <laughs> all right and you can get director i believe yeah it was billy wilder billy wilder yep for the last weekend All right, the Best Picture nominees you missed. One of them is a Hitchcock movie, and he was also nominated for director. Spellbound. Spellbound. And the last one is The Bells of St. Mary's. Oh, a sequel. Starring Bing Crosby, who was nominated for actor and became the first actor to be nominated twice for playing the same character. Yeah. Going my way. That was a loaded category, Best Actor, because you had Ray Moland won... and Bing Crosby, Gene Kelly, and you also had Gregory Peck for The Keys of the Kingdom in there, along with Cornel Wilde for A Song to Remember. Joan Crawford won over Ingrid Bergman for Bells of St. Mary's, Greer Garson for The Valley of Decision, Jennifer Jones for Love Letters, and Jean Tyranny for Leave Her to Heaven. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, James Dunn beat Michael Chekhov for Spellbound, John Dahl for The Corn is Green, Robert Mitchum. For the story of GI Joe, and J. Carroll Nash for a uh, medal for Benny, and supporting actress Anne Revere beat Eve Arden for Mildred Pierce and Blythe for Mildred Pierce, Angela Lansbury for the picture of Dorian Gray, and Joan Loring for the corn
1: is green. I guess I need to brush up on my nineteen forties Oscars before I do this again. You
0: you need to brush up. You need to brush up on that one for sure. And something else that's interesting. I was looking at it. Uh, the nineteen forty-five Oscars were hosted by one of the standards that hosted many of them, Bob Hope. But he was co-hosted; he co-hosted it with James Stewart. So he had Jimmy Stewart and Bob Hope.
1: it yeah, was interesting. All about right, that, that best picture was like that. That is a movie that was sort of like an outlier in the time for how it won best picture because I mean it's a it's a very like depressing movie about an alcoholic man and like i was no movie like that that came out around that time and that one still was able to win best picture and like pretty much dominate that year over like a lot more publicized movies like obviously the hitchcock movie and and mildred pierce was a like a like a very like a standard woman's film of the time too but like that was a movie that would have won best picture in like the 60s more than the, the 40s billy wilder was always ahead of his time though so
0: the last weekend also was the first film to win both Best Picture and the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival. It's a good stat. It's a great stat there. Okay. Well, let's let's end that train wreck. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. That was fun. All right. Uh, we are just about uh, done here. We want to send you guys off with uh, our quote of the day. And for our first podcast, we each have uh, chosen two quotes of the day. Um, and we have our, our podcast is called Almost Sideways. Uh, by the way, if you enjoyed this, you can also find some of our other content um, all over the internet. We have almostsideways.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Just look up almostsideways.com. Um, our buddy Adam has a, has a YouTube channel, Almost Sideways, uh, that's, uh, that's doing quite well. Um, uh, you can also find several of us on Twitter. Just search Almost Sideways. We're bound to come up. But we named our our, our site, our, our group here, Almost Sideways, after two of our all-time favorite movies from our group, and that is Almost Famous and Sideways. And so we thought we would leave you today with uh, uh, a couple quotes from each. So we've both chosen quotes from these movies that we are going to share with you, uh, today as our quotes of the day to leave you at the end of our podcast. So Todd, why don't you lead us off? Which one are you starting with?
1: Uh, I'll start out with, uh, my sideways quote. And this is, uh, miles and Jack. There's a two parter because the second part is uh, vitally important despite its simplicity. Uh, so they're driving down the street uh like going uh into wine country and jack is sort of uh asking dumb questions like like why why is the pinot like like why is it red and stuff like that and but and so and eventually miles is just like showing off his knowledge and he says no i i just don't like the way they manipulate chardonnay in california too much oak and secondary malolactic fermentation and jack says huh because that is how he always responds to Miles saying something really intelligent sounding, and it's just like the perfect, the perfect segment. Like whenever I watch that, I just feel like, Pfft. awesome. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts I of the think, whole movie. I think at that point Miles just forgets
0: who he's talking to, and just thinks, "Oh, I can be myself around this guy, so I'm just gonna spout out all the stuff about wine that I know and forget that he has no idea what I'm saying." And Jack is, refuses to acknowledge the fact that he doesn't know something. <laughs> <laughs> He's an actor. All he has is his instincts.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Plus, you know, there was a tasting the night before, so Miles is uh, still not... A...
0: That's true. That's true. Okay, well, my my sideways quote, um, what probably, it's probably my favorite, comes from... Uh, their first tasting together. And and Miles is a uh, is showing Jack how to do it, and he tastes it, and he goes through what he tastes, and he goes, hmm, a little citrus, maybe some strawberry, passion fruit, oh, and there's just just the faintest uh uh souffle of of like asparagus, and just just a just a flutter of a like a nutty Edam cheese to which jack responds wow strawberries yeah strawberries not the cheese <laughs> it, it, it's a it, it 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 perfectly encapsulates those two characters i think both our quotes really encapsulate those two characters which are what make that movie so amazing okay so there's your sideways quotes of the day Almost famous.
1: Todd, go for it. Alright, this is uh, Lester Bangs talking to William Miller on the phone. That's Philip Seymour Hoffman in in All His Glory and one of his best characters ever. He says, The only true currency in this bankrupt world is the time you spend with someone when you're uncool. And that is just, like, something that is so interesting and so true and never would have been put that way by anybody else but Cameron crow it's a, it's a it's a perfect quote and something that i don't know i always look at it that movie and it always makes me smile
0: pretty much everything lester bang says is is gold um yes. i'm gonna go with a quote that's probably one of my most quoted quotes from that movie um and that is uh william miller's on the phone with his mother and Beth from Denver comes up and tells him about how his aura is purple. And he has just this beautiful purple aura about him. I can't hear the color purple without hearing Beth from purple. Denver in my head. <laughs> uh, there's so many great ones you could go with. That's the one I, de- I decided to pick for today. So there are quotes of the day. Um, any last thoughts before we sign off, Todd? Uh,
1: no. I gotta go look at 1945. Yeah, there's some good movies there that you're missing. Yeah, National Velvet was always on my, on my list of movies I had to see, but I never got around to it. So, so next podcast, you'll report on, uh, National Velvet, huh? Could be. (laughs) Could be.
0: Could be. All right. Well, uh, uh, despite, uh the fred hayes show and jack's back taxes i believe that was a successful broadcast we will catch you next time on the almost sideways podcast and uh thank you so much for listening uh make sure you subscribe and we'll see you next time
1: catch you on a man i have stopped caring